Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Hey, I am super excited about this morning's message. Turn to 2 Corinthians for me. Uh, really looking forward to this series as a whole. As a pastor and just in what we do and prayer requests and talking with people and talking to people in Walmart, here at church, prayer requests, emails, uh, just feeling what the Lord's been leading. We, we are embarking on a, a series for several weeks. I won't put an end date on it because we're just going to allow the Lord to lead us. And we're going to talk about, the, uh, we're going to answer some questions basically. I was wondering, because the reality is we have so many And we want to know what the word says about particular things. In fact, that's how Jesus taught most of the time. He was answering questions the disciples or people or followers were asking. And so I think it's very important that we take some time to do that through the course of the year. And so we've been gathering information, of course, that comes across and then things that we've experienced. And so we're going to do that for this series. We're going to take on things like I was wondering today how to handle all the pressure And I don't know about you, but man, that just seems to be a constant in life and stress or pressure, being overwhelmed or just having so much to handle or manage. How do you do that in a godly way? Uh, We're going to look at how to manage the the worst day of your life or, you know, terrible events in life. We're going to look at how to, Mother's Day is coming up soon. We're going to look at how to to raise or how to lead a godly family. What does that look like in an ever-increasing ungodly world? And so it's still possible. God makes a way. Amen. We need to know the principles and live by them. Um, We're also having a guest during the course of this series. I'm excited. Uh, Pastor Joe Brooks is one of my spiritual dads. He's an amazing pastor. Pastor's a church in Plano. He he teaches a lot on leadership. He's a a mentor, spiritual dad of mine. He's going to come and do one of the installments in our series. I'm also super excited. But today, I'm really just looking at this passage of scripture. And and I got to be honest with you, I'm a little uh, apprehensive or nervous because there's so much here. Have you ever read a passage that you just keep reading and you read it over and over again and it's like, oh my gosh, I never saw that again. That's amazing. Oh my goodness, I never thought about Wow, what that, and I'm trying to think of how do we take this passage and walk away with just something we can apply to our life, and so I believe the Holy Spirit's going to lead us in this. Uh, don't you know the Word is alive? You can read the same verse, your life verse, every day of your life, and I believe every time you read it, if your heart's open, the Holy Spirit will show you something new in it. Amen? Because God's alive. And so I want to encourage you to lock in with us, get some live notes. If you don't know, we have, through our app, we have live notes you can follow along on or go back to later. But here we have the Apostle Paul talking. And I love this passage for a number of reasons. We'll talk about some today. But I think usually when I'm reading about Paul and studying about Paul, he's writing a lot of letters to churches and he's telling them what they need to be doing and and how to handle certain things for sure. I think in this passage, Paul's really talking out of how he's feeling. I think he really gives us a look into his life and it's not really necessarily what he's doing or what to do as much as how he's feeling something. And I love it. I feel like he's a bit vulnerable right here and I feel like I can really relate to him on this particular topic, if you will. I think we all probably can. And so we're gonna look and see as Paul is is just expressing, I believe, uh, his life. And the interesting thing to me is when I read people uh, stories in the Bible about like heroes, heroes of faith like the Apostle Paul and others, it's almost like we think that they are just perfect people and realize that definitely they're not. In fact, God uses imperfect people. And so uh, Paul's one of those that, just a hero, right? It's like, man, the guy's just got it going on. He never does wrong. And I think he really gives us some great insight. Really, Paul really makes it look easy. Honestly, it seems like when you read a lot of the Bible, it's like, well, that's good for them because it's easy for them. It's not how I live or not in the world that I live in today. And don't you, just, don't you just love people that make things look easy? 
Don't you just hate people that make things look easy? <laughs> it's like that. We all know people like that in our life. It's like, how do they do that? They make it, I mean, that's really, I didn't handle it that way. I don't think I could handle it that way. And they make it look easy. And, and I was thinking about that, you know, in the context of this uh, passage of scripture. So let's take a look in 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 10, and then 16 and 18. It says, for what we preach, this is Paul, what we preach is not ourselves. It's not about us. But Jesus Christ is Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. I'm even here ministering to you, writing this to you because I'm serving Jesus. Not anything for me. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. You can see a common theme here. He's talking about God and him. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. I'm just a regular person to show that this, is, this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I'm just a regular person, but I got this all-surpassing, magn- magnificent, incredible power of God in me. We are hard-pressed, and here's where I feel like he's really bearing his soul. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, that we have the reality of life that we live here, so that the life of Jesus may be also be revealed in our body. Like there's things happening that just happen in life, but knowing who we are, we'll get to that, then those things can be turned around to give glory to God. Therefore, because we know that, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly, you see the contrast every time, outwardly these things are happening, yet inwardly we are uh, being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, and I know they're real troubles, and I know they're real hurts, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. We're growing through this, and just remember, this life is a vapor. There's a greater glory waiting for us. So we fix our eyes not on what is happening around us or to us, but what is on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal, the things of God in us. And I love that passage because, again, I believe Paul's really writing out of what he's feeling more than what he's doing. And I just think about that with Paul, and, and his life just seems like this storybook, this hero tale, and, but yet I believe he's given us some vulnerability. And I had, I, in my own life, I, I remember, you know, my dad, the founding pastor of Tree of Life, I, I, you know, growing up in the pastor's home and, and being at church every time the doors open and the perpetual volunteer and then going to Bible school and working for him for a few years. And then after 15 years of him pastoring, he went home to be with the Lord. And I, I think now as a senior pastor at Tree of Life, I look back and think, man, my dad made it look so easy. He made it look easy. And I thought, man, this, is, this can't be that bad. Can't be. And then I became pastor and I thought, what in the world is all this about? And I thought, yeah, how people can make things look so easy, but you never know what's really going on the inside. And then I thought, not just as a pastor, I thought, you know, my dad was a good dad. I was blessed. I had a great dad. And, and uh, I thought, man, my dad looks parenting. I'm excited about parenting. He makes it look so easy. And then I had kids. I'm like, what? What happened? I must have been the perfect child then to make it easy for my dad. <laughs> now my brother, I'm not so sure. But, but it's like, he just made it look so easy. And I think that we live our lives sometimes. We don't really understand what's going on. And, you know, my dad, who is such a, a fair and patient uh, man as a dad, and, and you know, I, I look back and parent a lot of the ways I think that he did or would. Certainly my kids are different, so we have to understand that. But I, my dad was always very, very fair and very patient. If he, if he ever got upset, it took a lot to get him there. 
And uh, my brother just had a knack for it. I don't know how that happened. But so my dad, though, when he would punish us as getting older, uh, you know, as we became teenagers, I don't, I don't know where you stand with all this, but the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil a child. My, my dad believed not spoiling us. <laughs> and so there was no sparing the rod. And so, but when we got older, you know, you know it's not going to make that big a difference. You don't really feel it or you're, you're tougher or bigger. So he had a different way of punishing us when we got older. And my dad was a, was a, a Vietnam vet and he did two combat tours in Vietnam. And when we got to be teenagers and my brother and I would be acting up or doing things we wouldn't, he began to tell us this. He'd say, son, I know 17 ways to kill a man with my bare hands. I learned it in Vietnam. <laughs> my brother's like, really cool. And I'm like crying. I'm so sorry. I don't ever do anything. I'm just like, please. And so, but what my dad would do is instead of spanking us or whatever that looked like, he would just grab us somewhere like that pressure point. You know, you got these pressure, like the Vulcan death grip thing right there. It's like, oh, I can move my arm for three hours or whatever, just crumble to the, we'd be begging for a spanking. Please, can you just get the belt? We crumpled in a fetal position all day because of a pressure point. So my dad would just apply pressure. Different place. It was a great deterrent. Uh, I'm not sure my, my brother never understood that, that, you know, what that was for. <laughs> I remember one time, and, and, so, and so my dad would have different levels of pressure, right? Depending on what the offense would be. If you did something, like lying was not tolerated, that's probably the most severe pressure you'd get. You got to the point, my brother and I would like, before we did anything or after we did anything, before we found out, we're like, okay, what level is this going to happen at? Before I say yes to the stupid idea of yours, Jeff, what, what, what level of pressure are we going to face if we're caught in this? And, so different things warranted different levels of pressure, it seemed like. And I remember one day I was, uh, got in the car with my dad one morning and we're driving away from the house. And I think I've told this story before. And we're driving away on the street sides, my brother's uh, bedroom window on the corner. And on the other side of it, he had snuck out at night and he had a folding chair underneath the window. And so obviously climbing back in, he probably couldn't reach down and pull it back up or whatever. And so the screen is leaning against the wall and there's a chair and we get in the car and I just look over there and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like hey dad. Stop for a second. What is, what's that chair doing right there? I don't know, this guy, is this green against the walls? I, I can't see, Dad. Can you see? Is that a chair right there? Puts the car in reverse, backs up. And I, what level of pressure is this going to be, Dad? Because I, I may want to watch this one. Anyways, I know. My brother has since forgiven me, but, you know, I don't know. That one just was a fun one. You know, he did, I'll be honest with you, you know, he didn't, do, he didn't handle my sister that way. Little Princess Amy never got in trouble for anything, you know what I'm saying? But, but you know, it was this idea of, and I just think, I'm just now relating it, how's this, hey, you going to get to the Bible? Yeah, I'm getting there right now, so relating it. You know, it's just different pressures in life. It's just the way it is. I mean, life is that way. And actually, I think it's interesting because if we could ask God before we did anything, have you ever wanted to ask God that? Hey, before I do this, and not if this is a bad thing, before I step out and join you in this, before I do this, before I give or serve or before I share or whatever I do or get up and go, it's like this, what level of pressure will I be facing? Because there's always pressure out there. The enemy is always trying to put pressure on you to keep you from doing what God wants you to do. And so the truth is, if some of us knew the level of pressure that would come with being married, you might still be single today. <laughs> it just happens that way. And the truth is, if some of you knew the pressure associated with parenting, you might be celibate. <laughs> no, no. no, not really, because there's other ways not to have kids and still not be celibate, right? <laughs> but that's married for life next Sunday. Make sure you come and be in that, in that class, right? <laughs> not looking at my wife right now. But anyway, so the truth is, if you don't know the pressure associated with the new job you got, you might end up taking it. How about the pressure associated with a, a, a promotion? Man, I've been trying to get that promotion for a while. No one told me. How about the pressure with a raise? It seems to me like just in life that the truth with privileges come pressure. 
People want certain privileges in life, experience things in life, but we don't want the pressure that comes with it. And pressure seems to be just a part of life. And so Paul in 2 Corinthians is at a point where he's speaking from it here. He's doing great things from God, uh, for God. He's, he's planted many churches. He has authority in this church. He started it. And great things are happening, but it's almost like he's speaking out of this pressure and he really wants to share something really intimate. And so let's take a look again in 2 Corinthians 4, 8. Here's what it says. It says he says this, we're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed perplexed, but not in despair. And he says, we're hard pressed on every side. And here's what I think Paul's speaking to, because really, I believe most of us can stand up to pressure when it comes from one direction. But what about the pressure that comes from all areas at once? Where do you get relief from that? I mean, let's just be honest. I think there's pressure I can handle when there's maybe pressure here at the church and, and, and things are good at home or in other relationships. I think, and the, the vice versa, if there's a little pressure at home or with my kids, but things are good at church or other relationships. But what do you do? Paul's at this place and Paul's like, what do you do when you feel like pressure's coming from everywhere at one time? He's like, it's almost like a, he's like saying, I feel like I'm at that place. And Paul says, it was coming out of every side. And when we look at scripture, it looks like Paul has it together no matter what he's doing. In fact, we see like the books that we read, a lot of the books we read that Paul has written, he wrote while he was in prison. Like he was just on this little vacation, writing books and having a great old time and preaching to prisoners, his jail ministry from the inside, all right? Getting guards saved. And then we read in the book of Acts, which is interesting to me, Luke writes the book of Acts, or most of the book of Acts is what's believed, and he's talking about Paul when he's a prisoner being taken to Rome, and he's on the ship, he's a prisoner taken on the ship, he's one of my heroes, and this is one of the heroic stories, I think, and he's writing, Luke is writing about him in chains of being taken as a prisoner on the ship, and a storm comes, and everybody's afraid about it's going to be sinking, and Paul yet, in the midst of the fear of everybody dying, Paul's like, hey, don't worry, no worries, I'm here, God's here, he gave me a dream, everybody's going to be good, no life is going to be, he's encouraging in the midst of his moment. I'm like, man, Paul, how do you do that? How do you stand up there? And then all of a sudden the ship sinks and, and they're all overboard and he grabs a piece of wood and they float and no one dies. He gets to shore and you can imagine, I told you and no worries guys, we got this. And he builds a fire and then out of the fire, a snake bites his hand. And the Bible doesn't say that he stops and rebukes the snake or anything like that. He says he just calmly, coolly just shakes the snake off and keeps going while the villagers there are like, he's going to die. Let's wait for him to die. He's going to swell up. He's going to collapse to the ground. And he lives, and then he goes into the city and starts healing everybody. He's like, only Paul could do that. And then he ends up in Rome, and it's just like, are you kidding me? And I think Paul is trying to tell us in this story, because we look at so many other things. Paul says, wait a minute, wait a minute. It wasn't that easy on the inside. Oh, sure, I got up and gave a speech to encourage all the prisoners. And sure, I was in the same water and grabbed onto the board. And, and sure, I just kind of shook off the little snake there and went in there. He's like, but it's not that easy. You don't know what's going on, on the inside of me. And we start to see a little bit of it here in this passage he's writing. He says, what you saw was what I did. You did not see the doubts that I had on the inside of me, the struggle. And sometimes we make it look easy. Sometimes you make it look easy. Sometimes I make it look easy. That's why I love in the summer to give the guys Sunday morning pulpit time so they'll appreciate it, know me a little bit more, make it look easy. But we put on a smile, we get dressed, we go to work, we drive a car, we, we keep our head up, you know, we go to the game, we, we pay bills, we smile, we, we don't let anybody know what's going on in the inside of us. And Paul says it wasn't that easy on the inside. I was so pressured he says, I was so pressured, I couldn't find relief anywhere. I looked in front of me and couldn't find relief. There was pressure. I looked to the side, there was pressure. I looked to this side, I looked to this. All sides, there was pressure. And then there was no one there, not a companion. I was abandoned. I couldn't find a helper. But here's what he said, but I didn't die at the pressure point. 
I didn't die at the pressure point. And here's the thing about pressure. You know, we, when we talk about pressure, you can't hardly talk about it without this little saying, right? So pressure creates diamonds, right? That's a bumper sticker. Pressure creates diamonds. It's a beautiful little diamond thing and all this kind of stuff. Pressure creates diamonds. And you know, that's true. Pressure does create diamonds. But pressure also creates bad decisions. <laughs> pressure creates divorce. Where's that bumper sticker, right? <laughs> pressure creates alcoholics. Pressure creates drug addicts. Pressure creates impulse buying, <laughs> right? I'm the worst at that. My wife won't even let me open the door anymore. These little kids are just taking all my money, buying all this stuff, pressure, right? Have you ever gone and tried to like do the timeshare walkthrough just to get the, the free watch or whatever or a free vacation? I can't tell you how many times my wife has to drag me out of there. I'm ready to sign on the dotted line. Pressure. Pressure. It's a part of our life. Got to avoid the pressure. It's hard to avoid the pressure. I don't know that we can really avoid the pressure. I'm not sure avoiding the pressure really is possible. I'm not sure that's even what God ever intended for you and I, because look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 11 and 12. We skipped over these, but let's read them right now. Paul's writing, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. We're always going to be in this place of attack, if you will, so that out of this, his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. There's something greater at work in us when these things happen. And then he says, so then death is at work in us, but life as it work is at work in you as well. So God's not trying to get us to avoid the pressure. He'll use the pressure for something great and something good to happen in our life. Pressure's there. We live in a fallen, broken world. I think there's a point to the pressure, just to be honest with you. In fact, in verse 10, it says this. Take a look in 2 Corinthians 4, 10. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. We always carry around. Listen to what he says. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. That means basically the pressure Paul was feeling is almost like, I believe, it's almost like I feel like sometimes, sometimes I feel like I'm dying on the inside. We mean shake it off, Paul? Shake the snake off, Paul? I mean, survive the boat, Paul, and shipwreck Paul, and all this kind of stuff. And I think Paul said so much pressure, I felt like I was dying. And look what he says in verse eight. We're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. You know, basically he says hard pressed, but not crushed. People shout that out, and I, that passage of scripture right there, I mean, that's like a song, it's a great song, we shout that out. Do we think it's automatic? I mean, we think it's automatic. I mean, we will cheer that, and that might be a scripture on your refrigerator or whatever, but it's not automatic. And when it says what we're pressed but not crushed, that perhaps it suggests to you that pressure can crush you. And we all know, maybe we've been there, and we all know people that have been in that place that feel like they've just been crushed by life. And if you don't know what to do, the pressure will crush you. But look at verse eight again. Here's what he says in verse eight. We're hard pressed on every side. Pressed, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Right there, that phrase, you're talking about mental pressure. Persecuted. The next one's persecuted. That's pressure from other people. He's talking about physical pressure. He's talking about mental pressure. Pressure from other people. Struck down, but not destroyed. In these statements, if you read it the way I read it, in these statements, you see, actually see a contrast. He's talking about something physical or something outward, and he's talking about an inward response. There's a contrast going on here of what's happening to him, the pressure. And Paul is is talking about what's going on between what is pushing on Paul and what is pushing back in Paul. The pressure on the outside is trying to get him to handle things a certain way from the outside instead of from the inside. 
Because everything we read in that passage talks about some kind of outward pressure or experience, but always, it never ends just there, it always goes into an inward response. And so Paul's giving us insight on what this all looks like. In fact, let's take a look in verse seven, here's what he says. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, mortal, natural people. We have in earthen vessels, we have this treasure in jars of clay. What's the next two words? To show these things, the pressure happens in our life to us outwardly to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We have this treasure in jars of clay, and Paul says this all-surpassing power from, is from God and not from us. We need to remember that we are just the pot. We are not the power. We're just the pot. We're not the power. I mean, that's life for you and I. We're just earthen vessels. But we contain, Paul says, but I contain the all-surpassing power from the Most High God. And it's not from me, he says. It's nothing I can or do. It's from God. He says, I'm an ordinary person with an extraordinary promise about the power and presence of God in my life. But sometimes we get confused and we forget that we are just the pot, we are not the power. And so sometimes I'm under pressure not because of what I'm handling, but because of how I'm handling it. If we forget our source or if we forget our power, then we will lose our strength. And so sometimes... What I feel like this is speaking to, sometimes there's a presence, the, pow- the pressure creates this idea of performance. So sometimes there's pressure to perform something that's not your purpose. I mean, I think about it for a second because what Paul's really saying is we're trying to respond in a way that's not ours to respond and when we can't respond to create the answer or to change the situation around in a way in our own power, we get even more crushed. He's saying what pressure does to you and I, it points us to somebody that we're not. And what we'll, what we'll think again, what we'll think then is we'll find ourselves trying to perform to an expectation about somebody or something we're not, but yet we know who we really are. And so there's pressure from that. You're trying to perform, pressure will try to get you to perform to something you're not, that's not your purpose, that's not your power, it's not who you really are. So in other words, pressure causes a struggle within us. We struggle with who we think we need to be and who we really are. You know, my wife is really good at helping me see this. Because I, I deal with this all the time, honestly. Because you think you need to be something when you know that you're really not, it can be crushing. And so she tells me all the time, I get upset, I get frustrated because I project expectations on people they don't even have of me. But you don't understand, I need to do this and I need to be this. She's like, who told you that? Well, um, um, the devil? <laughs> I did, pressure did. She's saying, you're getting upset about things that aren't even expectations from people. But you have a pressure to perform or you have a pressure to have an answer. You feel like you have this, you project expectations on people they don't even have of you or to do things that no one expects you to do. You disappoint imaginary expectations that don't even exist because we're trying to operate out of something that we're just the pot, not the power. Quit trying to be the power. Or we're trying to operate in a way that we know that we're not because pressure, outward pressure, is trying to get us to respond a particular way. And so no one's asking us to do that, be that. God's certainly not. 
And so I think it's important for us to understand that. And so our response is frustrated at times. We get frustrated people over expectations they never really had. And so pressure builds. You know, every time, just to be just totally transparent this morning, every time that we get to that tree TV spot at the end, it's like, hey, so stand to your feet, meet and greet somebody that you didn't know. Let's get ready for the word, get ready for the word that God has for you today. I'm like, I hope God's got something for you today. (laughs) Every time I feel the pressure, every time, every time I feel the pressure, I got to make that walk up the stairs and the stairs. I'm like, man, thank you, God. No pressure on me today. I'm not here to perform up to any expectations other than you. I'm not here to perform at all. So we have those moments in our life, and for me, that's the pressure point every day. In fact, it's not always been that way. I've wrestled. I feel like Paul pressed on all sides sometimes. In fact, it was several years ago that that momentary time right there, I would have panic attacks. I'd have to slip out this side door right here, try and get it together and get back in. And that wasn't, that wasn't anything God was expecting me to be. God wasn't expecting me to perform. He just expected me just to be the clay pot. I don't have the power to change anybody's life. But I had to wrestle with it. In fact, one time, I didn't come in, and meet, meet and greet was over, and they kept having to extend it and kept having to extend it. A search party went to find me, and if I had my keys, I might have been halfway to Mexico. I don't know right now. <laughs> but I came in, and it's like, I said, okay, God, now I got it every time. Which, but here's my question. What's your pressure point? What's your pressure point? Because I know you got them, because the scripture says we, we all got them. It's part of life. How are you responding out of that? Because for me, that's a pressure to do something that I was never created or asked to do. I'm just here to be a vessel. God's the one that brings the power. And then you get up here every week and you see who's come back, not come back, right? It's like, you can't live that way. None of us can live that way. But what's your pressure point? What does that look like for you? We need to understand how to, if I could go back to the illustration earlier. What's the, what's the thing that paralyzes your arm for three hours? <laughs> what's the one that drops you to your knees? What's the one that causes you to curl up in the fetal position and just rock back and forth for hours? <laughs> what is that for you? Well, Paul's, Paul's expressing his heart right here. Times that he's just all points, pressure, all points, pressure points. So could it be that the pressure you experience is really trying to point you to a higher power? Could it be that it, it's helping you remember who you are and who he is? It's, it's helping remind you that the expectations perhaps that you have of you are not what he has of you? Maybe the... The, the pressure of God will use that. I'm not saying he causes that, but maybe that pressure of God will use it to point you back to him. Is pressure a bad thing? No, not when you know how to manage it because it's always there. But here's the thing. The enemy will always point you to what you can't do, what you can't be, what you can't be, become. And when he does, point back. Point back. When pressure points, point back. When he points to you and says, you can't be that, you can't do that, you could never be, your mama wasn't, you won't, your daddy wasn't, you won't, you point back and say, yes, but I have this treasure and an earthen vessel and all this all-surpassing power is from God and not from me. I can't, but he can. I won't, but he will. It reminds us of the power of God in us. Paul says we're pressed but not crushed. Paul says, that's how you turn the pressure into power. I can't, but he can. You remember when I was thinking about this, my wife and I, we've been there twice, Israel. Remember the story of Jesus before he went to the cross, he's in the garden of Gethsemane and he goes to pray and there's that moment, a real moment that Jesus is kneeling down in prayer and he's having this great, great struggle. We know that because how the scripture is worded and then 
It says that so much so, he was under so much pressure that he was sweating great drops of blood. The scripture said he was sweating great drops of blood. And it says that out of his mouth, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. You know what he did? He turned the pressure into power. He did exactly what Paul's talking about. He turned the pressure into power. He pointed back to the all-surpassing power of God. He was an earthen vessel at that time to be our sacrifice. You know, Gethsemane, the name Gethsemane means olive press. So the world's greatest power came from the Savior's greatest pressure. He turned that pressure into power. Nevertheless, sweating great drops of blood, and there's another way, let this cup pass from me, pressure, but nevertheless, your will. What did he do? He pointed it back to God. I don't know what you're going through today, but Paul said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. You know, again, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. If you guys can put 7 up there for me. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from you. No pressure on you. But listen, you can turn that power into pressure. Yeah, that pressure into power. I was thinking about this. I don't know if this is a silly illustration or not, but it's all I got, so no pressure. I was thinking about this. This Coke can. This is a Coke can. Josh, come here. No, I'm just I don't know anybody would want me to open this up right in front of them. Here's, here's what I think Paul's saying. When the enemy comes to shake you, he's just shaking the power of God in you. Because you pop this thing open. Because I'm just an earthen vessel. I'm just an aluminum can. But the all-surpassing power that is from God lives in me. And when the devil comes to shake you, release the power of God. It's not what you do, it's what he does. What he does. So, let him shake your marriage. Understand that the all-surpassing power of God is in you and release the power of God in that situation. Let him shake your relationship with your team. But all understand, point back to the all-surpassing power of God. You're just an earthen vessel, but the power of God, the life of God is in you. Turn that pressure into power. I don't know. Turn that pressure into power. You know, um, when the pressure is coming from the outside, it's never greater than what's on the inside. It's never greater than what's on the inside. In fact, I was thinking about that illustration. I know you used the can this morning, but thinking about it. Some of you guys will know in your mechanical engineers or whatever. Moms will know. So. How many things are powered by pressure? I mean, there's so many things that we couldn't even do in life if there wasn't pressure powering it. It's just our perspective. And Paul was putting things in the proper perspective. I want to share verse 16 with you because I think this is important for us. Therefore, we do not lose heart because of the all-surpassing power that's within me that is not for me, but it's from God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. You know what he's saying right there? I already know what's coming at me is not greater than what's in me. I already know what's coming at me is not greater than what's in me. 
Therefore, I don't lose heart because I already know what's being shaken is not greater than what's in me. I already know that. Here, I heard somebody, I wish I could claim this for my own. I heard somebody say this, pressure. What do you have to do is you have to be pre-sure. It's clever, right? Pre-sure. You have to know. And Paul's reminding himself of the all-surpassing power in everything that's working in his life. Everything was a contrast. There's this attack or there's this outward pressure and he goes back to some inward power of God in his life. I love that idea. I love that idea. What is within you is greater than what's around you. And when pressure points at you, point pressure to all who God is. When the enemy points to the points to the pressure, you point back and point to the presence and power of God. My wife and I, we just celebrated Friday 20, 22 years of pressure, pressure-filled marriage. <laughs> We've been shaking a time or two, 22 years. So we just got back. We went on a little trip just to rest a little bit and come home. And we were on the airplane coming home. It was two and a half hour flight. And uh, when I got on the airplane, I don't know how you travel, but when I got on the airplane, I didn't want to talk to anybody, honestly. And I get the aisle seat just for the extra room. And she has a middle and then the window. And so it was a pretty full flight. And so we're sitting there and a gentleman was in the seat before we got there already by the window. We got in and I just put my stuff up, get down, got my headphones out. And as soon as I sat down, I put my headphones in and got my phone out. I was listening to some podcasts. A couple things I wanted to do. I wanted to listen to a podcast and some other things. I was going to write some notes for today. And so this is Saturday, and we get in there, and not long, probably 15 minutes into the flight, maybe 20 minutes into the flight, out of the corner of my eye, I see this guy leaning forward and like going like this, waving at me. And I'm like, oh, hey. And I take my earphone, I took one out. <laughs> I took one out. So maybe, can you see the other earphone in there, buddy, right? So it's like, okay. And so he's like, hey, man, I just really don't like flying. I, so I just talk to get by at the time. I'm like, great. It's like pushing the stewardess button. You got any more seats up there? So this guy began to talk and, and he did a lot of talking. This guy began to talk and then as he was beginning to talk, I realized that that was a God moment. So as we're sitting there listening to stories, a, a gentleman just about my age, a little bit younger, had been in the military for 26 years, contemplating on getting out, changing life. He'd gone through his two wives and he'd survived cancer and a hundred months of deployment and just how his life, he kept talking about trying to get his life in balance. It was out of balance and he put other things as priorities and it was just God was opening the door. Really basically he was talking about pressure, just the pressure and how he's responded to that and, and then towards the end of that, uh, we got a chance to share with him and so I told him, I said, uh, I talked about this and I told him, I said, hey, Julian, I said, uh, well, at one point he says, hey, do you mind me asking what you do? And at that, at that moment, when any pastor gets someone asked what they do, they have a chance to lie. It's like, because you don't know what they're going to do, right? It's like, if I say pastor, it's just I know I'm going to go through counseling. I'm going to do a counseling session. I don't want to counseling or stump the pastor or some great theology thing, right? And so he didn't do that. He was really kind and he just talked about life and trying to get things in balance and everything. It was just, a, it was a really sweet moment. And then at the end, he got my email address and goes, man, I want to keep up with you. I want to email, I want to email you. And so we, we told him how to get to the church website. We said this morning we'll be doing services. And I told him, I said, uh, hey, Julian, if you'll log on either nine or 11, he's in Georgia. He's running, going to be running for mayor of the town that he's in. I said, hey, Julian, if you'll log on, I'll give you a shout out. So Julian from the flight, United Flight, 1693. God bless you. God bless you. God. God has a purpose for your life. 
God has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose for our life. Oh, sure, there's going to be pressure because we live in that world. But don't mistake that pressure for God doing something negative. The pressure will point you to something negative. But see it as God pointing you back to the power of God in you. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. No pressure, no power. So I would say all of you to all of you today, when the enemy, when pressure points at you, point back. Point back. Well, what does that look like? Point back at you, pressure. Let me tell you how you point back. You point back by pointing to the power and presence of God. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.